Well, hello. My name is Kaeo, and we're going to be hanging out tonight. Guys, I'm stoked. Hopefully, you guys had a blast today. Um, this, uh, the video you watched is incredible. It's what we're going to be talking about today. We've gotten to the point where we're going to see uh, Daniel and his uh, buddies be in the fiery uh, furnace. But just recapping, I know a lot of things have happened since we started this morning up until now. And so this morning, remember, we walked through just what it looks like to have a resolved heart, right? How to make sure we don't have fear, uh, make sure that we have fear of God and not fear of man. And this evening, we're going to be going to look at what it means to be resilient through trials, trusting God despite our circumstances, which is what we kind of saw in that video. And in order to do that, we kind of have to have the right perspective of trials and suffering. Um, and so I'm going to pray and uh, get us kind of settled, if that's cool with you. So bow our heads. Close your eyes, zoom, and let us pray. Jesus, we love you. And guys, pray for me and my friends, recognizing that, Lord, we've had a day. It's been a good one. It's been fun. Um, I saw a lot of laughter uh, and friends um, making new friends and, um, and discovery. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would remind us just during our time together uh, that you are present. And I just ask to be more aware of who you are and what you're doing in this space. And, uh, yeah, pray for my friends that we would, uh, yeah, we would fight for our attention on you. We love you, pressing your sons, and we said, amen. Okay, so we're going to like kind of like skip through a little bit because we got a lot of stuff to cover, um, but if you wouldn't mind, just go ahead and turn to Daniel, Dan, Daniel, Daniel chapter uh, 2, verse 1, all right? Daniel, nope, Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. So really quickly, just kind of figure out where we're at in like the whole narrative is uh, Daniel, because of his faithfulness, has been elevated in position of authority with the king's staff. And while he was obedient to the Lord's commands, he continues to abide by the word of the Lord in his life, which is kind of what we saw in that video. So Daniel, what chapter? Two. <laughs> what verse? One. Okay. So have you, while you're turning there, I kind of read like some it, but have you ever had this thing where you have like a... Re reoccurring dream, right? I don't know about you, mine always tends to be falling. It's always falling for some reason. Or, no, yeah, it's always falling. My wife says hers is like running. Um, mine's always falling. And this is what happens, I'll walk you through it. Somehow or another, I'm falling, not sure where I even started falling from, and then I land on stage. I'm here, and I'm talking, and what's happening is nothing comes out. I'm moving my lips, but no sound is coming. And then people are starting to freak out, and then they run out. That's my reoccurring dream every single time. And I wake up, I'm like, <gasps> what is going on? And then every time I get on the stage, I'm always like, it's, it's this time. It's time, right? So uh, that's what's happening with, with King Nebuchadnezzar, all right? He uh, is in a similar place where he's trying to figure out what's happening with this reoccurring dream. So what chapter? What verse? Here we go. Let's read it. It goes, ooh, I'm, not, I'm an Ezekiel. Here we go. All right. So it goes, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Verse 2, then the king commanded that the magicians and the enchanters, the sorcerers and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king of his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled. I need to know this dream. All right, so that's where he's at. He needs to know. He is worried sick. So really quickly, Neb, again, King Nebuchadnezzar, he has, a, which I call him Neb sometimes because it's a lot to write out. Uh, but he has a troubling dream. Can't figure out what it means. He does something really interesting that I want to point out. Who does he run to to figure out uh, discernment or wisdom about his dreams? Who? Daniel. 
the, ah, first, first, not the second, first, right? The sorcerers, magicians, enchanters. It is so interesting that he doesn't go to where we would think of, right? Which is who? God, God right? Um, so, yeah, Nebuchadnezzar calls his wise man. They're having difficult figuring it out, kind of similar to Fish Guts, I think is her name. And then she totally makes up the pecan pie experience, which was hilarious. Um, and then they can't even figure it out. So then what happens? What does he do? He starts getting really angry. He's starting getting very upset, all right? And, and then he sends them to be where all the magicians get punished. He has a decree to have all the wise men in the land killed. Uh, and this would also include who? Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And so look down to verse 17. Go down a little bit. So this is what Daniel responds to this news. And look at, look at verse 17. Daniel goes to his house and made the manner known, it's like what's happening to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek what? Mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Look, I want you to see this. In, you, have, you have two pictures. You have King Nebuchadnezzar who's what? Losing sleep kind of essentially having his own suffering, who does he go to? Not God, but to what? Other people, sorcerers, right? Now, you go ahead and look at Daniel. There's a decree that he might die. Who does he go to? God. He tells his friends, hey, pray with me. Let's seek the Lord together and figure out what, what can we do so that we can get out of this situation. Daniel, in the midst of a life or death situation in his life and the life of his friends, immediately goes to the Lord for prayer. If you're taking notes, write down, when things are tough, go to God. Okay, when things are tough, go to God. This like whole thing gives like a tremendous insight to where Daniel and the Lord are. All right, when things are really tough, who is he running to? God. All right, that's huge. That means Daniel has big trust for God. All right. So I don't know where you turn to the midst of fear, trial, or hardships. Um, and I just want to be really honest: where you turn indicates where your heart is who actually is the Lord of your life. Uh, now, I need to clarify, because some of you are like, okay, but like when things are tough, I go to my parents for advice. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's really good. Please continue to do that, right? But don't also forget who? God, right? I would love, listen, I would love it if my students would be like, hey, K.A.O., and they had a really tough time, like, hey, K.A.O., I went to my parents and said, hey, mom and dad, could you pray with me about this situation going on in my life? Maybe you'll be the first students to tell me that. But I would encourage you to do that. I think that would be really cool. But normally, how the world responds and how I would even say myself would respond in times that are very stressful is I just take, oh, I left my phone on the chair. I would just take out my phone, and I'm just like, we're scrolling. I'd rather disappear from my current reality and go to a different one because I'm no longer control here. But I can be control here and scroll out forever. TikTok's hilarious, right? Right now, I'm on the uh, little duckling uh, for you, Paige, just a little, little duckling, and he takes cute naps, and it's adorable, all right? Um, maybe you run to your friends. Relationships could be something where you like, hey, I need to, like, dis uh, problems are tough, I'm good to my relationships. Maybe you try to get more control, you look for influence, right? Or maybe it's money. I don't know. You're like, hey, <laughs> figure out a new, like, job, I'm going to sell shoes on the side, right? Uh, but for Nebuchadnezzar, he was grasping for control because he needed to know information, Whereas Daniel is crying out to God, I really want you to see the two differences here, all right? And what I don't want you to hear is I don't want you to hear that Daniel wasn't afraid. I'm sure more than likely Daniel and his friends were scared. But in this moment, 
Daniel's relationship with, with the Lord was marked with courage. And we'll see a little bit more how his friends model that same dependence on the Lord. Now, I want us to understand what it means to truly be dependent, resilient, and courageous. All right? It's not doing what is right and honorable for the Lord in the absence of fear. Okay? It's doing what is right and honorable to the Lord in the midst of fear, during your fear. All the times people are like, oh, well, like, to be courageous, I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't be afraid. I think true courage is when you still do things while you are still afraid. Look, for instance, um, I, like, very small person, okay? And my wife is very uh, adventurous. If she was here, she comes tomorrow, but if she was here, she'd be like, yeah, absolutely, I love this. Um, and so she took me and some friends rock climbing. Oh, Lord. And I was like, hey, look, Cassie, I trust the Lord, I don't trust the ropes, all right? And she was like, it's fine. Um, we'll be fine. You'll be great. And I'm, like, shaking because I'm like, okay, like, all her friends are here. I need to do this. So, like, four people already went. So I'm like, cool. And she's like, look, it's safe. Four people went. I said, yeah, I'm the fifth one. It'll break. Like, it, it wore down, you know? And she's like, no, you can do it. I said, no, I'm, like, very afraid right now because it's a, it's, we're climbing up in Courtright, which is, like, a lake down in Fresno, uh, area, and we're like climbing up, and it's like a straight-faced wall with a little bit of incline at the top, and she goes, yeah, don't worry, we'll, we'll get you, and I was like, again, it's not that I don't trust the Lord, I don't trust this, and she goes, hey, like, you can still have courage, you can be brave even though you're afraid, you know, my wife's like a preacher, I'm like, cool, you be a pastor, take my job, it's great, and so I get on the rock, and I am shaking, but I'm still taking a step, right, I think courage is still being afraid, but still moving forward, all right? I don't think God's waiting for you to not to be afraid anymore before you come to him. All right? God wants you where you're at, and he wants to meet you where you're at, even when you're afraid. Okay? And I want you to see how God responds in the midst of Daniel's fear. All right? Verse 19. We're still in chapter 2. Then the mystery was what? Oh, you're like, wait, we have to go back. <laughs> All right? Chapter 2, verse 19. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. The Lord reveals to Daniel every part of Nebuchadnezzar's dream as well as the meaning of it. And Daniel just doesn't move from, on from that moment or run to Nebuchadnezzar to proclaim the dream. He's in no hurry. Look at verse 23. Look at verse 23. I thought it was incredible. I read this. I was like, what? How did I miss this the first time I read this story? Daniel chapter 2, verse 23. Okay, he just figured out what happened. God just revealed it to him. And if I was him, my life's on the line. You know what I'm doing? Nebuchadnezzar, I have the answer. This is what he does first. Look at it, 23. It says, To you, O God, my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. All right? The Lord was everything to Daniel, and nothing was going to get in the way of what Daniel knew to be true, that despite everything going around him and the chaos that he was embracing, who does he proclaim has all the power over it? God. So then after that, rightful praise in rightful places, where does he go? To Nebuchadnezzar, right? He tells him about the dream. Or here he went to God in the first place. Goes to the dream. He talks about it, right? He's like, hey, a statue is made up of head, of gold, chest of silver. Goes to his whole thing, all right? And then essentially what he's saying is like, hey, look, the God of the universe is going to topple all the rulers of this land, and his kingdom's going to come, and he will establish freedom and set his people free. That's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, Nebuchadnezzar, your kingdom is going to end. Now, I don't know about you, I don't necessarily want to go to a king who's going to, has the authority to kill me to say, hey, your kingdom is over. God's coming. <laughs> what? 
right? I wouldn't want to do that. I wouldn't be thrilled to do that at all. I would not want to do that, okay? I just, ah. But then this is like a really crazy picture of Nebuchadnezzar. Look at what, for, look at 47. Look at how Nebuchadnezzar responds. 47. And the king answers Daniel and he says, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries since you've been able to reveal this mystery. He calls Daniel's God the God of the Israelites, Yahweh, the God of the gods and the Lord of kings. And as a result of this miracle that has just happened in his life, he praises God and proclaims that Yahweh is the one true God. We experienced that. We saw it in the video. When you started clapping, you're like, oh my gosh, he finally got it. It clicked for him. He did it. We are so proud of you, right? I felt it in the room. I felt it. That's how we felt, right? It was like, woo! All right, okay. <laughs> Go to chapter 3, verse 4. Just flip the page. Chapter 3, verse 4. We saw in the video, too, all right? We know what's going to happen. You know, chapter 3, um, sorry, verse 1, sorry, <laughs> chapter 3, verse 1, four verses later, after, after Nebuchadnezzar essentially declares that God is God, what does he do? He makes what? An idol. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, the height of which was like 60 cubits, and its width, it just had all these like, in, in, like numbers here, and he set it up in, like, in the province of Babylon, all right? So just four verses later... He, proclaimed, he was like, oh, or sorry, prior, he proclaims that God is God, right? And then all of a sudden, what does he do? Builds an altar. Look, friends, if I'm being really honest, God doesn't want to change our outward expression or simply for us just to clean up our actions. God doesn't want behavior modification, okay? God wants your heart, okay? God doesn't want you to change your behavior. He wants your heart because it's from your heart your behavior changes. If it's just behavior modification, you look pretty on the outside and you're dying on the inside, all right? God is not a God about, hey, let's go ahead and look, let's look clean. Let's look like perfect Christians. No, God just says, I want your heart. That's what I've been after for, like, from the beginning. Look, the real, my, my uncle is an ER doctor, ER surgeon in, in Seattle, and I had a question for him. I said, hey, uncle, like, he's great. I said, hey, like, as a person in the medical field, in science, how does your faith not collide all the time, right? Where you are saving people, you're literally being hands and feet of God, in a sense, and maybe being God in the moment where you provide healing for people and you save people. How does that work? You know what he said? He said, hey, nephew, actually, I can't quote this really well, but he says, hey, nephew, what's so cool is when I'm... (laughs) When I get to do surgery, when I have to do surgery to save people, it's usually around the heart because the ER surgeon... He says, what's so interesting about it is, did you know that your, I can't remember, your left lung is a little bit smaller than your right? And I said, I didn't know that. What? Hello? (laughs) Breathe? And he goes, well, the whole reason for that was because it has to make room for your heart. Your heart was so important that actually everything else was designed around it. Did you know that your heart was the first organ to be built in your mother's womb, Right? God created that, in a, that your heart matters. And he says, I see that from a physical standpoint. So when I read things about how God is always after people's hearts, how David was a man after God's heart, when I hear those and I see those things together, I'm like, yes, there has to be a God. He designed it because he wants people's hearts first. And I said, wow, wow, uncle, that's cool. Um, I will never see people's hearts inside, but that's incredible. And I started crying because I was just, you know, like I said, I'm a cry. And but that's what I want you to hear first, right? Another illustration, really quickly. We ran around today, right? Um, listen, do you ever, like, clean yourself off first before you get in the shower? Yeah, exactly. Some of you were like, what? That doesn't make any sense at all, 
right? It doesn't make any sense at all. Why would you do that? It's the whole point of the shower is to what? Clean yourself. And yet, and yet, friends, that is actually how we treat our relationship with God. I have to be clean and perfect and right and good and better and best before I can even approach God's throne. Some of us haven't even prayed before because we feel like we have to pray perfectly in order for God to hear us. No. <laughs> God just wants you. That's it. The whole, that's what I'm saying, the whole shower thing is kind of outrageous, but I can, it's a point. It's a point. In the same way, he wants us to fully submit to him, embrace him, being God, the Lord of our lives, and allow him to take residence in every part of our lives. He isn't a moral God, right? He's after your heart, and that's what Nebuchadnezzar was missing, and that's where you find him in Daniel 3. All right, okay, so here we are. We've summed up a little bit. We're in chapter 3. This is the moment where we all know this story, all right? Some of you are like, oh my gosh, yes, I see what's happening. Some of you are like, oh, this is my favorite part of my story. It's my favorite part of my story. I heard it, all right? So pick up chapter 3, verse 4. Come on now. We got this. It says, then the uh, herald loudly proclaims, right, to you the command is given. O peoples, nations, and men of every language, that the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, and it continues for all the instruments, right, you are to what? Fall down and worship what? The gold, right? Oh. Yes. Okay. I was like, hello? Are we in the same Bible? All right. Worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into what? A fiery furnace, right? Yeah, I got a different translation here, but yes. Okay. So again, we see Daniel's friends in yet a, an, another moment of what? Persecution and hardship, Right? They just went from they might die because they can't interpret a dream, and now they're going to, if they don't bow down to a statue, they're going to go back into a fire furnace. Can we get a break? There was not even a season finale. It's still the same season. I would be stressed, right? Ever had that moment when you're like, I got a quiz to do, I got a test to do, I got a paper due, my parents are mad at me because I didn't do my chores, my friend's fighting, and here we are. I have to go ahead and try out for a game. Ever had those moments? Yeah, okay, yeah, come on now. I sat, I sat across a lot of ice cream tables and talked with students, being like, Ka'eo, I am overwhelmed. I have a paper and a test and a quiz. My friends are fighting. I didn't get invited to that thing. I have FOMO. My dad's on to me. I'm trying to make the baseball team, but I just hurt my shoulder. What am I supposed to do? Yes? Yes. Cool. We can all be overwhelmed, too. All right, cool. So this is where we're at. Nebuch <laughs> Sorry. Daniel's friends are like, yo, Lord, <laughs> break, please. Okay. And then what happens is the music plays, and what do they not do? They don't bow. They're offered a second chance. The music plays again, and they what? They don't bow. Nebuchadnezzar is upset, super upset, orders them to be thrown into the furnace, and he turns up the heat of the furnace seven times hotter than it's ever been and commands them to be thrown into it. It's so hot that the men who threw them into the furnace also burned up. Okay? Yo, this guy's mad. And this is what happens. Verse 24. Chapter 3, verse what? 24. Here we go. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and stood up in haste. He said to his high officials, was it not three men we cast abound in the midst of the fire? They replied to the king, certainly. And he said, look, I see what? Four men walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. And the appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods, right? 
Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door in the furnace of the blazing fire. He responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, come out. Your servants of the Most High God come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. The Lord saves them and puts on display a mighty act of salvation and power. Now, before I even get there, you might be like, we missed a part. Right? Do you remember how I talked about what this morning? What did I talk about? Starts with R, ends in Isolve. Resolve, all right? <laughs> and what I want you to go ahead is go back to chapter 3, verse 16. Okay? Or, yeah, chapter 3, verse 16. Remember about what I said about what? Resolve. I want you to see what they say. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered, and they said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Verse 17, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Verse 18, if you're taking notes, you're going to write verse 18, important. Verse 18, circle. Verse 18, I don't care how you write it down. Verse 18, it's gold. Verse 18, please, please, right? right? Verse 18, read it with me. It says, but. But. <laughs> <laughs> I used to tell my junior hires all the time, every time we see a but, it's good news in the Bible. So, uh, and all the guys would be like, ha, 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 I'm going to tell my mom, ha, 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 ha. But it's true, because you're going to see it later. I'm going to use the same illustration tomorrow, all right? But, but, if not, be it known to you, O King Nebuchadnezzar, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. He says, look, listen, God can save us. God can totally do it. And even if he doesn't, we still will not bow down, okay? Even if. A lot of times we ask questions like this, okay? Maybe your questions are like this. What if I don't get on this team? What if I don't do that? What if this happens? What if this happens? What if she doesn't like me? What if he doesn't like me? What if I don't? What if I can't? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Blink twice if you've ever asked those questions before. Cool. We're fluttering. What happens if I told you, instead of saying what if, I want you to change things and say even if, even if, I don't get that job or for parents, or maybe for some of you, you may want to get a job. Even if I don't make that team, even if he doesn't like me, even if they don't like me, even I want you to put that, I'm saying it over and over again because I want you to change your, what, your perspective. Stop saying what if and start saying even if this happens, God is still good. God is still in control. God is still, has a plan, right? That was bad grammar. <laughs> English teacher, sorry. Right? But what's what, I want, what's what I want you to change? Change the what ifs to even ifs. Because that's what they did right here. What if we get burned? Well, even if we get burned, we will still serve God. That's what they did. Okay? And then what happened? They didn't get burned. Okay, so I do have to make one, like, if this was like a TV show, it would be like, boop, 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 boop banner across being like, hello, 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 warning, 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 please read, disclaimer, disclaimer, right? All right? I have to say this because what happens so easily for us is we want to read ourselves into the story. We want to be like, yo, Lord, I'm in a fiery furnace right now. Save me. Okay? Now, here's one thing I want you to understand. 
The Old Testament, specifically this part, is going to be historical narrative. Say historical narrative with me. Historical narrative. No, look, some of you are falling asleep. Say it again. Historical narrative. Thank you. With some ump. Historical narrative. Thank you. Okay, some of you said but because this is but. That's for tomorrow. So historical narrative. What historical narrative means really quickly is it is descriptive. Say descriptive. Descriptive. Not prescriptive. Okay, so you're prescriptive, you're descriptive, all right? Historical historical narrative is not prescriptive. Mm -mm. Okay, now you understand what's happening, okay? Historical narrative is not Historical narrative is not, is, which means it is telling you what happened in that time, okay? What's so funny is sometimes, and I do it too all the time, I have to remember this, but what's so funny is sometimes we like to be like, oh, God did this then, he will do it exactly like that now. Listen, I've stood before legs and said, all right, Lord, split them, split the sea. Be way faster for me to go across this way, this way, way faster, I don't want to drive. Grabbed a stick, lift like Moses, and did the legs part? No. <laughs> All right? It didn't. I also wasn't running away from Egyptians. Okay, so like, do you see what I'm saying is oftentimes we like to read it in that and be like, hey, that happened. It's going to happen again. But here's what I want you to hear. Here's what I want you to hear. All right? That doesn't mean that God's character changed. Okay? We see God's character, and it's consistent all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. What he did there is what did he do? He saved his what? His people. And that might look different today for you than it does for them. So I have to say this because sometimes my students, really quickly, <laughs> sometimes my students are like, so okay, if I like put myself in the oven, does God save me? <laughs> and I said, why? I just did, did the Lord like forget to, I'm just kidding, <laughs> whatever. Um, but then sometimes I'm like, What? No, no, I mean, he could, but I don't think he would in that moment, right? They didn't put themselves in a fiery furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar did. Is there a King Nebuchadnezzar in your house? And they're like, my dad, right? Okay. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Well, they do, but I'm like, ah, 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 ah. But then do what Daniel did. But then do what Daniel did, right? Right? Which Daniel was like, hey, I'm going to have faith. I'm going to praise him, right? Okay, so. All right, so then Nebuchadnezzar responds. He gets saved, or he sees this. He responds, and he goes, "Woo!" And he makes a decree, right? He ends up saying uh, in verse 29, he says, Therefore, chapter 3, verse 29, he says, Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn from limb to limb, and their house is laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue this way than the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Look, he was just like, here we go. Okay. And then we're going to get into verse 4 tomorrow, or chapter 4 tomorrow. But what we need to hit really quickly is this thing about trials and suffering. Say trials and suffering. Cool. Trials and suffering. That's a lot to cover. Trials and suffering. Biggest thing that I want us to hit really quickly is can you turn to chap or chapter John? Can you? I'm like Biscuit. Can you slow down? Uh, go ahead and turn to the book of John, chapter 16, verse 33. Can you do that for me? And then I need to wrap up soon. But um, ch- chapter John, hello? Uh, turn to John, chapter 16, verse 33. All right, here we go. So look, 
for Daniel and his buddies, it was, it was no surprise to them that uh, they were going to have trials and tribulations from the beginning of their time until now. They knew that was going to happen. But for them, they, they knew what their line was that they weren't going to cross. They didn't eat the food that was the king's, right? They even interpreted dream. Like They had things they were doing. And look, <laughs> the reality of the world that we live in today is that Jesus says that we're going to encounter this one thing. And it's in John chapter 16, verse 33. What does it say? What does it say? <laughs> I love it. Some of you are just quoting scripture that's like, honestly, I think it's John. It's not, it's not even that. It's John 15. Right, John 16, 33. I'll read it for you. I'll read my translation. It goes, hey, take, it's, some of you says take heart first. It says, in the world you will have trials. But take heart or take courage. I have what? Overcome the world. We can remain confident and resilient in the midst of trials because we serve a God who has conquered every single one, and therefore we can trust him to get through. Now, the problem is, oh, and let me keep going. Peter one of the disciples of Jesus, who was, who was imprisoned and later killed for his faith, he says in uh, chapter 4, verse 12, he says, Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. All right? So the whole point is I want you, I said this earlier, and the whole point I'm really trying to get and stress to you is, hey, look, life is going to be tough. Say life is tough. What's so funny is I say this, and it's like, you already know. You already know that life is tough. Life is very difficult, and life is very hard. Yes? Yes. But the problem is, is that so often you're like, I don't know what to do with this. Or so often, I'll be honest, I remember just talking to a junior R being like, okay, I wish someone would take me seriously. My problems are really tough. Right? Blink twice if you want to say, yeah, life is really hard for me at home. Blink twice. Yeah, okay, we're all fluttering. Okay, it's just like, look, we're all in the same room. Pain is universal. The trials that we experience are going to be everywhere. Okay, but what did Jesus say? What did he do? Yeah, he overcame the world, right? He overcame it, no matter the outcome. And what I want you to hear is simply this. Write this down. Mm, write this verse down. Psalm 34, 17 and 18. Psalm, P-S-A-L-M, 34 and 18. Okay? Or 34, 17, 18. This is, a pro- this is something that I want you to hear. We're running out of time, and I need to get this point across. Psalm 34, 17 through 18. It says, God is close to those who are brokenhearted and crushed in spirit. Okay? Psalm 34, 17 and 18 says, God is close to those who are brokenhearted, and crushed in spirit, okay? First and foremost, Psalm 23, okay? It says, even though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will what? Because, right? Because God is what? With me, okay? Now, what I want you to hear that is, look, God doesn't say, look, very clearly, in that, even in that passage and even in Psalm, he doesn't say, hey, when you reach trials and tribulations, I'm actually going to go ahead and rescue you out of them 
and move you into some place that is safe. What does he actually say? That he'll be what? Starts with W, ends in if, with you. Okay, now, can you please go back to the fiery furnace? Chapter 3. Okay, go back to the fiery furnace. Did God get them out of the fiery furnace? No. No, no, no. No, he didn't get them out of it. The fire still happened. But was God with them? Yes. Okay? I don't have a lot of time, but I want you to just go ahead and write this part down. Even when I am going through hard times, comma, even though I am going through hard times, comma, God is what? With what? Me. Okay, say it with me. Even though I am going through hard times, comma, God is No, some of you say it, but you don't believe it. Okay, some of you say it, don't, you don't believe it. God is what? With me. And we're going to talk about that even more as we continue this week. But I want to, and I want you guys to talk about it in your cabin time or with your, with your leaders. We don't have a lot of time to go through this, but I, I really want you to hear this. Because my students time and time again, time again say, God abandoned me because he's not rescuing me out of my situation. He's not changing my situation. He's not doing anything in it. And I'm like, okay, I don't know if that's true. Because God didn't just say he was just going to be like, poof, you're done, you're free. No, he, all he promises is that he'll be what? With us. And there have been a thousand times I've sat across a thousand tables with students who are, who are hurting and Things are not going well, and I would be like, I just want to take you out of the situation. I just want to do it, and I can't, and so what do I do? I trust God. One of my friends used to say all the time, when I can't trust or when I can't trace God's hand, right, I can trust his heart, all right, his character that he's always been with his people from the time began. Now, remember when I had you look at chapter one, or chapter one, verse two, when I had you looked at later on when it talked about how God like gave them knowledge. Did you see from the beginning, where was God? Did he abandon Daniel and his buddies? Yes. No, no, no. no, right? <laughs> he was what? Starts with W, ends in if. With them. Let me pray. God, I just pray for me and my friends, um, just recognizing, Lord, that there's a lot of things going on. And even the way to go through a lot of text, what we saw in the text, what we saw in your word, what we saw in the truth, what we saw in what you have for us is that you are always with us. And so I pray for me and my friends that as we just process and wrestle with the fact that life is tough, um, we know that, God, you see us, you're with us, and you walk alongside us. And when things are to the point where we feel like we don't feel you anymore, we can trust that your word says that you are always with us. We love you. Press in your son's name, we said, amen. Amen.